Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. I'm your host, Melanie Moore, and today I'm here in Westminster to talk to Sean Harford, National Director at Ofsted. So good afternoon, Sean. Good afternoon, Melanie, and thanks for the invitation to speak with you. It's lovely. Um, I, I should say we did try to do this in March, but we were beaten back by snow. the snow. If I you remember, remember, I do remember, yes. So it's yeah. in great contrast. It's not snowing today. Yeah, today to be here yeah. in the sunshine, it's lovely. So let's begin um, by asking you to tell us a little bit about your role here at Ofsted. Okay, so I'm National Director for Education. Um, I'm one of Her Majesty's Inspectors as well as part of that role, really. Uh, But my role as the ND for Education is to oversee our inspection policy for early years, for schools, for independent schools as well, and for further education and skills. So it's a a huge remit. It it covers a fair (laughs) amount of the education system in this country, yeah. It does. Um, And what's what's the place of social media in that role because in my view um, obviously you you have a presence on social media I think you're doing a, a lot of good in terms of presenting the human face of Ofsted and creating much more transparency um, was that a, a conscious role or is that something that that you've brought no I mean a, a few years ago we decided that um, being um, more transparent uh, and, and using things like social media to do that would be helpful um, and the previous chief inspector was supportive of the idea uh, and Mike Claddingwell, my predecessor, um, got that ball rolling and, and he introduced me to Twitter, actually. Um, and then it went from there, really. But I think it's helpful. Uh, I think because social media is two way and not just a one way channel, it's really helpful for us to yeah. learn and also for us to get our messages out and to you know, sometimes calm people down a bit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think it's really nice just just to be able to engage, like you say, with schools and to be asked, to be able to ask questions directly. It's mm. something we wouldn't have seen even a couple of years. years yeah, no, now. totally. So um, today we're going to be mostly talking about uh, curriculum. Um, I personally feel really, really delighted and positive about the work that, that I can see happening at Ofsted in terms of curriculum. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about the origins of, of this work and why it's particularly important? Yeah, um, when Amanda Spielman became Chief Inspector, you know, we had some um, pretty deep conversations across the team. Um, and wanted to identify things that she uh, really wanted to take forward in her first year um, and get the ball rolling in her tenure. Uh, and one of the uh, the big issues was curriculum. We thought that we probably hadn't over time given it the focus that we might have done. Um, I think there are various different reasons for that around national curriculum, around yeah. um, you know how that was expected of all schools. But of course, we're in a very different world now. Um, academies don't have to follow the national curriculum, um, you know, and there are freedoms within this. So actually, it's a really good time to, to raise the debate and to ask questions about whether things are being done um, correctly and rightly for the pupils um, with the curriculum. And, um, and, and we think we're the right people to do that. And you must be really pleased with the impact that that's having already because there seems to be a groundswell from yourselves. But 
also from schools as well. I mean, there's, there's lots of talk, lots of conversations about curriculum going on. So you must feel very positive about the impact that that's having already. No, absolutely. I mean, one of our aims was to raise this discourse to get a discussion going across the country. And that certainly seems to have happened. I mean, sometimes, and Amanda's got a phrase here that, you know, what Ofsted seeks to nudge ends up being a shove. But actually, I think in this in this context, it's a really healthy debate for the for the um, sector to be having. Uh, and I think that, you know, when she talks about the substance of education and getting away from grade stickers, I think this Absolutely. is exactly what, what, what she means. And, and we're delighted that this has been raised and is being discussed so so thoughtfully across the country. And when you talk about having conversations about curriculum, one of the things that you have said is that there are some difficulties around definitions in terms of the language that we're using around curriculum. Um, if I, just off the top of my head, words such as what's, what is a theme, what's a topic, what does coverage mean, even what, what, is, the, what is the curriculum. Um, so can you just talk a little bit about some of the work that you're doing around clarifying uh, language. Yeah, I mean, we, we pulled together a curriculum advisory group um, and it includes people like um, Sam Twizzleton from um, yeah. Hallam, Sheffield Hallam, uh, Christine Council, ex of um, Cambridge and now yeah. Inspiration Trust, um, and Tim Oates and a load of other people, um, experts in this field. And um, we wanted to discuss with them, um, you know, where this work might go, um, what, what it might mean. Uh, and one of the things we did at the outset was to kind of lock them in a room and say, OK, this, this should be fairly easy for you guys. Give us a <laughs> give us a, a definition of the curriculum, what it means to you. And I think about three hours later and after yeah, many pork pies and uh, <laughs> not, not a smoke filled room, obviously, these days. Um, but we came out with the, um, the, the definition we might talk about later. Um, but the key to it was that when we then went out and talked to schools about things to do with the curriculum, you know, deep asking these quite deep questions. Um, it transpired that there is ambiguity in what we mean, in what we all mean, not the you know, inspectors aren't right on this, schools aren't right, both aren't wrong. But it's certainly the case that when, for example, uh, teachers talk about topics, mm. themes, um, webs and what have you, that they and skills particularly, mm. they mean different things. Um, and skills can range from kind of subject skills, like, mm. you know, basic subject skills like reading and writing and what have you. They can be leadership skills, they can be team, a whole range of things. And unless schools and inspection inspectors are really clear on what we're talking about, then there's going to be some um, confusion between us. And how, how are you proposing to address that then? Well, the work we're doing is to try to identify where the where the clarity is lacking mm -hmm. and try to give the discourse some clarity through 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 our work. Um, and then, of course, we're using this as a foundation for the new framework for September 2019. Okay. So when we then come to write about curriculum in that framework, we'll understand where these ambiguities lie and therefore be able to sort of bring some clarity to it. So it's almost like we need a glossary of terms for everything curriculum. Yeah. And people will become familiar with the terms through the new framework, won't they? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't see it as a glossary but I do I, I do see it as making clear what we're talking about you know when we're talking about it I do need to be equally clear this is not about offset setting out its preferred curriculum or anything yes. like that this is this is about being able to discuss with um with head teachers with senior leaders with teachers middle leaders when we're when we're saying about um certain things what we're all clear about what we're really talking about and I think that's one of the the messages that comes across very clearly is that Ofsted has no one preferred uh, model of curriculum. Absolutely and I know not. Amanda Spiegelman talks a lot about schools personalising the curriculum, which I think is a good message uh, for schools to hear. 
Um, just in terms then of um, Ofsted and inspections, since though we've, we've touched on it, um, you recently said that Ofsted has asked its inspectors to explore the areas of intent, implementation and impact uh, when evaluating the school's curriculum. So what does that mean and what might schools experience in terms of inspection and uh, when inspectors are exploring the curriculum? Yeah, I mean, those those three words really are kind of summary words for the definition that the, um, that the curriculum advisory group came up with right. and they're kind of characterised by those things. Really to say... You know, uh, uh, in in setting out its intent, a school should be able to explain, you know, articulate what it's trying to achieve with its curriculum. In terms of implementation, how it knows what it's do what it's doing to put that curriculum in place, and um, and, and be and be clear on that. And then in terms of impact, uh, be able to say whether the the you know are the children learning the curriculum? Are they learning the things they wanted them to learn? Um, and and therefore, if they're not what do they do to to change practice, to reteach things, or whatever it is? So those words are trying to trying to be hooks. They're not meant to be alliterative, but they happen to be. Um, <laughs> it, helps. it helps always in education. We love an acronym and alliteration. Um, but 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 truthfully, so that therefore um, schools can say, okay, well, you know, what are we intending? What are we implement? How are we implementing? And, and what's the impact? Um, and and what um, currently we've said is that essentially that will be. Um, the kind of uh, the framework, sorry, the kind of hangers for the new framework in, right. in part of it. But in between now and then, we know schools will be thinking, oh, we're off to talk about curriculum, what do we need to do? Because this is not a new area. If it's a new area exactly. for a school, we're yeah. in trouble <laughs> yeah. um, as a curriculum. Yeah. Um, so therefore, what they need to be thinking about, why do we do what we do? How do we know we're doing it right? And and, and, and if it's, we're not doing it right, how do we yeah. do things differently? So it's that yeah. kind of thing, really. I mean, like you said, the curriculum never sleeps in school. It's always there and it should always be talked about. But I think what, what the work that you're doing, particularly around articulation, is ha encouraging schools to have those conversations across the board as to, like you say, what, why are we doing this sort of mm -hmm. curriculum? What's the impact? And having those debates and conversations. Yeah, and I really think that in the past, something happened along the way. Probably bit of, um, the, when we did our recent survey work, head teachers said that they could see when their different members of staff broadly were, were trained. And those after, yeah. say, five, six, seven years after the national curriculum came in, there was probably a period where um, teachers were coming through without that kind of um, basic, basic knowledge of curriculum development. Mm -hmm. and, and because the curriculum was what it was, we yeah. were told to teach, you were going to be tested on this, you know, and That's there were a whole right. bunch of things you were told to do. So actually we need to get back into yeah. that kind of discourse about why we're doing these things. Because, of course, we went through... QCA schemes of work, then we had the national literacy, literacy, literacy frameworks, yeah, yeah. and then we had the new curriculum. So, yeah. you know, we have a relatively short period of time from that new new curriculum. I think Amanda Spielman talked a little bit about um, the fact that there is a need to be training teachers um, to be become more competent at curriculum design. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think what she's saying is. Um, Get, get back to why you do what you are doing and then think about if you if you are set if you know that you want children to know and learn and understand things by a certain point well how do you get there what's the route map through to that point how do you assess them on the way through and then change things so it's that kind of thing having that knowledge and confidence to be able to set that out and then keep evaluating as you go along just makes perfect sense to me um, so this is a timely question and also having a son who's currently doing his SATs in year six. Um, there was a report in the uh, TES recently that you criticised schools uh, for 
of, of the schools that beasted children in English and maths in order to prepare them for the SATs. Um, so the question is really, why do you think a school might get into such a position that they are doing that? Uh, and what do you think the impact of that is? I'm, I'm fully cognizant that an accountability system, including tests and what have you, will will lead to um, schools taking them seriously. Um, and, and actually, in many respects, that's the kind of idea of them. Mm. Um, the issue, of course, is um, what you think you need to do to best place your children to do the best they can, i.e. to show to, to be able to demonstrate their their um, their attainment in certain areas. Um, I, I think that uh, the the problem I have is with um, when I use the term beasting is 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 schools that, for example, say, "Oh, okay, the reading test includes comprehension, a comprehension exercise." What we'll do is we will do endless comprehension exercises, one after the other, to make them better at comprehension. Yeah. The reason comprehension is in the reading test is to test reading, yeah. not actually comprehension activity. And, and um, Daisy Christodoulou is really good on this. She says that, um, you know, if you're training for a marathon, you don't run a marathon every week to train for it. There are lots of other core strength, stamina, yeah. you know, things you do, that, but you don't run a marathon. It'll be foolhardy. So why are we actually just giving them the marathon every week? Some schools are giving these, you know, week after week for months on end. And um, I had a, uh, a young girl write to me the other day on the back of that article. And she said, um, I, I, I saw what you wrote. You're right. My school has actually done this to me and mm. it's made me hate English. Mm. It was my favourite subject. Sadness. I mean, well, it's sad. And read, and because you, know, you make children better at reading by, by supporting them and reading to them and them write reading widely in all the different subjects of the curriculum. That's what we mean by curriculum breadth. You know, not just thinking reading is something you do in English. It's something you do to go across the whole of the curriculum. And all that stuff culminates in better in being a better reader. I agree with all of that. And it was interesting um, in the amount, keep going back to it, but the Amanda Spielman uh, commentary from last year, she, she kind of um, gives some nod or acknowledgement to the fact that Ofsted may have played some part in the narrowing yeah, of sure. the curriculum. Um, could you just explain yeah, about that? I mean, that was Amanda's challenge to us, really. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, as an inspection and as an inspector, and I think you know, in many respects, it's a it's a it's a good challenge and a right challenge. Um, we have focused on the basics, English and maths, particularly in 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 primary over the last 15, 20 mm. years. We've been in place yeah. twenty six years this year, uh, and we've done that. Um, I think we don't. We shouldn't apologise for focusing on things that are based that are that are necessary basic knowledge, understanding, and skills in the, within the curriculum, such that English and maths are. If you go back twenty five years, if you go twenty years, the standards of English and maths in primary schools was nowhere near what it is now. Um, now, uh, you know, when I was te- I was a secondary teacher, and, and, and so I came at the classroom fourteen years ago. But I could see even then children coming through from year six with greater levels of of, of English and maths, greater knowledge in English mm-hmm. and maths, year on year on year, and it's only, and it's grown since. So it, we're not apologising for that focus, but we are saying that will, as a consequence, probably along with the tests, have narrowed people's focus in. What we need to do now as a system is bag those gains in youngsters in their English maths, open that up and say, That's, how can the rest of the curriculum be brought into this and make it as important? Brilliant.
brilliant, which leads me on to my next question, which is what, what do you define as curriculum balance and have you seen any very good examples of this in, in practice recently? Well, I mean, we see lots. I mean, the, the vast majority of schools up until a certain point in primary will give a, will provide a balanced curriculum. Right. That's the truth of it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have so many good and outstanding primary schools um, because it's always been a, a, a judgment we've been cognizant of, something we need to think about, the broad and balanced curriculum. Yeah. What we've been less clear, and I've been as guilty as anybody here, is going around the place thinking we have a, an absolute definition of what broad and balanced means. Yeah. The fact is, we don't really. Yeah. It's about a, gen, you know, a general, for general balance of, the, of subjects and, 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 and um, programmes of study and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we probably should have a little bit more clarity on that, um, but particularly on, at the point of, well, when does a broad curriculum become a narrow curriculum if yeah. you take stuff out of it? Or, yeah. cons- or conversely, if you have a narrow curriculum, what do you have to add in to make it broader? And make it broad and balanced. So um, you know that it's not as it's not as easily definable as as we may make out. But actually, the reality is most teachers, most head teachers would know what they you know if it's a if it's a duck and it's quacking and walking like a duck, it's probably a duck. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, in, in a recent report from the Policy Exchange, uh, John Blake talks about coherent curriculum programs um, and their benefits. What what do you think makes a curriculum coherent? I think if a school has really sat down and thought about what it wants, where it wants its youngsters to be at given points throughout the, throughout their um, life at the school, um, and that to do to get them to those points, they then think, well, what building blocks do we need to put in place? So, for example, and this is where curriculum freedom really comes in, and I know we've got age-related expectations and what have you but the reality is if you know if you know your your catchment and if you know where they're coming from uh, um, you know, in, your, in terms of um, the youngsters coming in and you know that say by the end of year one if they crack eight nine ten things or whatever within within English or you know within their writing and their reading then they will then fly when they get into year two you should design your curriculum to get them to those points. Mm-hmm. Now, that may not be age-related expectations for those particular children. Maybe above, maybe below. But the yeah. reality is, you know that get those things in place and they will then be able to go forward and access. If you, if, if you are, as a school, plan those things out carefully and look at that across the whole curriculum and how each supports the other, then, you've, then you're into a coherent curriculum that, support, that, that doesn't work against um, it itself, if you like. Um, what about um, sort of the concepts of mastery and greater depth? Do you see a place for those in, in the primary curriculum and h- how would you define them? Because there's quite a lot of talk and quite a lot of debate about what each of those terms yeah. means. And, you know, I have to say, I've been doing quite a bit of reading around both of them and I don't think I've still crack- cracked it. Yeah, yeah. Um, how would Ofsted define that? And is it something they, they would be looking for? Well, it's not something we'll define. Um I, I I mean I know what it's not, and it's and it's not um, you know uh, a quasi level. It's not you come in you know you you will go through um, I don't know making up you know the names of just just take the numbers away from levels and give them a different level and it's exactly. the top level. Yeah. It's not yeah. it's not that. Um, I think the, the the concept of it really and you know I mean of, of course this is probably most widely currently applicable applied in maths yeah. but you know it's not about 
um, pu uh, pushing the children on to you know, a, 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 oh, oh, they're the great mathematicians. Or, oh, they're doing year three work then this this mm. year, even though the rest of the group are doing it. They're in year two. It's not that. It's got to be about uh, making sure that the the concepts and ideas that you are trying to embed within a within an age range with a particular place in the in the in, in the in the um, run through the school that they are actually and this probably goes on to your deeper deeper mm. um, idea that you are actually broadening and deepening the work they do within those concepts. So it might be applying them in different ways, in different yes. contexts, um, whilst other children are mastering the basics within that. Yes. These other children are mastering the, 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 the deeper looking into yes. it. Um, and, you know, I mean, you could probably give examples in, in different mathematical concepts. But the point being, it's not just about saying, oh, well, that's year three content. I mean, it makes me shudder when some people, when parents say, oh, well, my child is a, is a clearly gifted mathematician because the rest of the group are doing year two work and now they're on late year three, early year mm. four work mm. it's this is just kind of hubris from parents about what they're we want them to become great at maths mm. and you don't do that by skimming the surface I, I always feel as well that greater depth is is also about children finding their passions and finding their interests and being interested in a subject not just maths any subject mm. um, and wanting to explore it more deeply um what, what do you sort of think about that idea yeah i mean i i think that's you know developing an interest in something we all know we are we are better learners when we are interested and and, and actually the irony of this is not to say oh well um, x child doesn't like that subject therefore they'll never be interested in it mm -hmm. it's actually about getting them getting them into the subject itself because the more you learn about something it tends to be as humans the more interesting we find it and therefore it and and you know and this is how knowledge comes together in our minds and going back to what you were saying about having that sort of broader more balanced curriculum the more opportunities you can provide for children the more things that become they know about the more things they're interested in and etc yeah. etc um what's about the idea that knowledge is sticky because i think that's one of the phrases that you that you've yeah. used what? well the, i mean this we are actually um training all of our inspectors on the idea uh, the ideas um the the, the most up-to-date ideas on cognitive psychology um one of which is about the fact that the more you know uh the, the more you then know it just mm. it's a it's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy the idea that once you get some knowledge embedded, that then other knowledge will stick to it as you go, as you as you learn about that, so that you can start connecting ideas mm. up. So it's more of a kind of web of things as opposed to just being pockets. Yeah. And when ch when children, when anybody learns something, starts to make those connections, then it starts to make these things start to stick together. Yeah. So it goes back to what you were saying, does, really. You know, say, if yeah. you if if you um, if you want to learn about something in history or something, you know it's a really good idea to know what came before so you can then build up to say why you know why that's happening next then and you know and, and then they th the, th the story starts to cohere um so i think it's about that really so bearing in mind um all of the findings that you have so far in relation to curriculum what would you advise schools to be doing right now well i i, I think just go back to those three words of intent implementation and and, and impact and just think, well, so how do we how do we tell our story of our curriculum? How do we and this is not not for inspectors, this is for them to yeah. think, you know, how do you assess whether you have a coherent curriculum and it's doing what you want it to do? Mm -hmm. It's through those things really. 
about what we intended to do and, and, and so forth. So schools, you know, from that respect, if you if a school is confident that it's done that and he knows why it's doing things and uh, certain things and how they then um, overlay and, and, and layer over time, then there's absolutely keep no problem with keep doing what you're doing. Exactly <laughs> yeah. right. OK. Um, and you're just about, well, not just about, you did tell me about this a little bit before, but in time there'll be a new um, report with the most up-to-date findings. Um, are you able to give us some snippets of some gems from that? No, and it's not because I don't want to, it's because I don't know what's coming out of it yet. Um, you know, Amanda put her com commentary out in, in October um, on the primary and, the, and secondary work we'd done. We've a new report coming out soon for the post-16 level two curriculum um, stuff we've been looking at, and that'll be the next kind of um, um, report. We're bold beginnings back in, in, in the autumn. So, um, but the next stage of it, we haven't really decided whether it's going to be a report, whether it's going to be a set of blogs, whether it's going to be commentary, could be anything. We, we, we traditionally, we've always just put big reports out in one go uh, and they create a ripple for a short amount of time. Full beginnings did, uh, for, sure. for example. <laughs> um, and then, but then, you know, going back pre even prior to that, yeah. um, the reports are given in one go and then they kind of then um, you know maybe, maybe stay on the shelf or collect electronic dust whatever you do in a computer <laughs> yeah. but the point being that actually what we want to do is keep this this is a discussion it's a discourse and we want to keep that going and, and and feeding that discussion with the things we're finding so we don't want a big kind of whammy thing so over time we'll gradually get different bits of yeah. information but we know we're heading towards the 2019 framework yeah and a lot of the things that you've talked about are going to be in that, that framework. The, the, the curriculum work we're doing is going to be one of the kind of foundation stones of that new framework. Yeah. Do you think there'll ever be a time when there's a separate judgment on curriculum inspections? Well, I mean, it's something we're, we're considering. You know, we're looking at all um, about the pros and cons of that. For the new framework, we're currently working up what those judgments might look like, yeah. you know, whether a curriculum is one oh, to have okay. or not, um, whether there are other ways of doing this and getting the, and getting the, the right, right information out. Because you know, at the bottom line, this is we want to get the right information out about schools to parents so they can make informed decisions, and also we can inform government about the state of education in the country. Um, and you are notorious for myth busting, um, so. What's the biggest and the best myth you like to bust about curriculum? It's a bit like a tongue twister saying mm. that. Well, I'm not sure. Well, what, what's the most frequent one that, you know, that people ask you about? Yeah, or? I mean, I, I'm not sure it's about curriculum, but I do. Uh, but I think the marking one um, was yes. was the biggest one. And I think, you know, to be fair, it wasn't a myth initially. So when we say about myth busting, what we're talking about is things now that are myths. Um, some of which actually were true in the past. So, you know, if you go back two or three years, you will see things about marking in, 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 in inspection yes. reports um, and whether children um, have time to, to respond to feedback and stuff like that. Um, so we've learned that while those comments might be right in certain schools and schools can deal with them in different ways, trying to apply that as kind of good practice um, is, is problematic. Um, it, originally, the marking one came out of a report that was a, a good, a good, um, good practice case study in, in London. Right. The school was dealing with it in a certain way and, and said to us, "This has made a massive difference to us." The issue is, though, they they'd probably done lots of other things to reduce workload, so they could do that. Yeah. 
the problem with putting out a good practice case study is that everyone then just tries to apply that. Yes. You know, what uh, size fits all for everybody, yeah. and and you know, and this is and, and so that 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 was something that inspectors were reporting on, um, and schools responding to, and we got where we were. I think that um, now, though, it is fact that. Um, inspectors will not come in and try to attribute progress or anything bad or good to to marking. It's up to the school to set the policy within the assessment policy for that, and therefore um, you need to the schools need to do what they need to do. It's up yeah. to them. We're not going to criticise. The only thing we'll criticise is if a school has a policy, an agreed policy, that then is not being implemented, and we can then say, well, look, there's a leadership management issue where you're not ensuring that t- that that, that um, you know. Uh, teachers are doing what you ask them or what you agreed with them to do it, through that work through Again, that policy. It's so. that articulation, isn't it? Say what you're going to do, know why you're doing it, and yeah. do it. <laughs> you know, and, and if the school says, um, "Well, we don't do any written marking, and that's our policy within our assessment policy," that's that's, that's absolutely fine, um, as long as you know that then the, the the idea of feeding back to a pupil somehow so they can improve their work is is done in other ways because we know that pupils do benefit from that frequency when how whatever is up to the school and then it's about um you know whether children are learning so the other um sort of hot potato that i've seen on you responding to on twitter recently was lesson planning and um you know you were outlining that there is no expectation from inspectors to see lesson planning do you just want to say a little bit about about that uh, I, I mean it, it's just that really you know um again go back years yes. and and inspectors would have gone into a, a, a lesson when they were watching it and they and the, and the teacher invariably would have given a lesson yeah. plan um and they would then have looked at it as part of the evidence mm-hmm. and said oh you know is is this plan right for what we've said now is that we don't need to see lesson plans um, it's up to a school to decide whether they expect them from their teachers or not. That's an entirely um, uh, school-based decision. We know, anybody who's taught knows, that when you start out in teaching, sometimes that's the comfort blanket for you when, when frankly, you know, when I remember some lessons, I was thinking, oh, my God, thank you, thank God I've got a lesson plan so I can go back to it and get, you know, and, and, and sort of you know, steady the ship. If you've been doing it for a few years, or whatever, you, you know your stuff. You don't need a detailed lesson plan. You don't need any lesson plans. Sometimes, you know, school, I used to have a, a plan. You know, the planner with the five lessons on and yeah. little notes put in, and there'd be things about you know, make sure Johnny's done this or Jemima's done that or whatever. And then, but that's not the same thing. And so, well, we, you know, we're not expecting that. So, so you don't need to do it for us. That's excellent. Thank you for clarifying that. So finally, from me, um, obviously there's, there's there's lots going on and you're finding out lots and what sort of excites you most about the work in the, in the future in terms of the curriculum? What, what are you most looking forward to? What's exciting? Uh, I'm, I'm genuinely excited about the, the research work we're doing. Um, the other work we're doing um, in addition to the curriculum work is looking at what you can and can't learn from being in a lesson for 25, 30 minutes. Okay. Um, we're doing research work into work scrutiny and what you can and can't learn from looking at children's work and what that tells you or doesn't tell you about standards in the school. Um, we're doing some specific work on teacher workload um, and we're doing work on reliability and validity of inspection judgments. I think this is an exciting time to be involved in all this because 
this research will help us develop something that will look um, look at the right things when in, when we're inspecting, um, and then and, and also maybe cut away the th- the other things that aren't as useful and, and focus scores on what 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 is helpful to become more effective. And and I think yourself and Ofsted are doing a great job on making everything much more clear and um, having those two way conversations with schools. I think is is brilliant work, and we can certainly see at Cornerstones a great buzz. Um, happening around curriculum and that can only be a, a good thing as far Great. as I'm concerned um, so that's it, that's everything I had to ask you today um, and I will just say thank you so much um, for talking to me, I've learnt a lot and I'm sure listeners um, can can take a lot from that clear no nonsense information that you've given us today so thank you very much Brilliant. thank you for having me